Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return to play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content that it provides, make sure you hop over and check out the all-new Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is a combination of the CVA SPS community and the Rugby Strength Coach community, bringing you what is sure to be the Internet's leading resource for continuing education for strength and conditioning professionals. Combining these two resources has allowed us to bring some of the best content from some of the best minds in the world together for your one-stop shop to better improve the continuing education for not just yourself, but your entire staff. Bringing together all of the lectures from the Rugby Strength Coach community, along with the lectures exclusively done for the Central Virginia Sport Performance community, and all the lectures performed at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar, make this an absolute must for performance coaches around the world. The world-class lectures at the Strength Coach Network are not all that you'll see as well. The discussion in the forums and the support and the career guidance from some of the top practitioners in the world, from people all over the world, makes this an absolute must and a great place for you to network, learn, and grow as a performance professional. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS, that's C-V-A-S-P-S, to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. We're sure you're going to find great value in the Strength Coach Network and are really excited to have you involved. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS to check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down and talking with plays Gary Schofield about the direction and the evolution of the profession. Uh, Gary dives right into like his voyage from being an athlete to athletic training um, to the NBA to figuring out why and how he wanted to get into strength and conditioning and how that has led to the NH- NHSSCA, the National High School Strength and Conditioning Association, and now to play. Um, you know, and then we get right back into some self-reflection. And, and Gary is really open and candid in, in this part of the talk where he's, he's talking about you know, all sorts of reflections that he's had back in his coaching career, including like taking a step back and looking at what was really important versus why he was programming, um, understanding like the idea of serving the athlete being versus like a self-serving coach, like programming them based on what we want to do as opposed to what's best for them. Um, and, and getting into just other past mistakes that he has seen that he made that still seem to be bouncing around the profession today. Uh, you know, and we, of course, we finish off talking about the NHSSCA and, and how they've built that and where that direction is going and all the great work that they're doing with that. Guys, this is really, 
really an awesome talk. I, I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Gary, this is one that's been in the queue for a long time, man. I'm glad we finally got this down. Yeah, absolutely. It was awesome visiting and, and, and going to the seminar this this uh, this summer and then uh, and connecting. And I know we've talked about it. So uh, looking, been looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Well, listen, for for the, the person who maybe lives under a rock and just downloaded this for the first time on iTunes, let them know who Gary is, where he's at, and, and how we got down to that, that little company down there in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a, 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 a kind of a crazy path, but I, I think a unique path. And I think today, day and age, we have a lot of people that follow the same path, whether it's a GA, an assistant role, and and they have one little level of experience. And I, I really do believe that uh, uniquity is going to be what's hireable going down the line. I think people listen to me maybe because I have a unique approach, a unique thought, a unique background. And, and I think I'm blessed to have gone down the path that I went. I don't know if I would have changed it, but uh, going to undergrad school, uh, a, a failed athlete, <laughs> thought I was going to play in Major League Baseball. I realized really quick, couldn't hit the slider. That was the end of that. Uh, and... Uh, uh, pursued a, a degree at a small little Division three school in Marietta, Ohio. Uh, they had this degree that had sports on it, and I thought, oh, that sounds good. It was sports medicine. So I became an athletic trainer uh, by trade. I, I didn't know um, strength and conditioning was a profession. I went to a small school in Northeast up in Boston, which people know me, and they know, they know my accent is all messed up, but it does have that remnant of Boston. So from the Northeast, football wasn't huge. Strength and conditioning was not – uh, uh, really integral in the late 80s um, in high schools at any point, really, um, uh, few across the, the country, but not many. And so I, I didn't know that was a realm. And then when you played baseball, strength and condition in the 80s, that was kind of taboo. So it really wasn't something that we did a whole lot. And I, I just didn't know it was a profession. So I became out as an athletic trainer, um, went down to Georgia uh, to get my master's degree at uh, Georgia State University in athletic training. And I thought it'd be good timing because the Olympics were on their way. A couple of years later, I figured, oh, I'd go down to 93, I'd get a degree, and then I'd be able to work the Olympics. It'd be a great experience. And lo and behold, uh, I started working with the Atlanta Hawks. Not a bad first gig to be working with. And worked with a legendary athletic trainer, Joe O'Toole, and their strength and conditioning coach, Roger Hines, which introduced me to that field. And I remember sitting on the floor and watching this guy in those short polyester shorts sprinting up and down the field with a bungee uh, up and down the court with a bungee cord with Alonzo Mourning and I I said what is that guy and Roger said well that's what I do I'm a strength coach and I'm like you know what doing what that guy does and I went and introduced myself and it was Chip Sigmund a legendary strength and conditioning coach in the NBA and I was kind of blown away and then I think two weeks later Vern Gambetta came up to University of Georgia and did a small talk for about 30 people didn't know who Vern Gambetta was but I was told it would be a neat opportunity by Roger Hines, the strength coach, Delana Hawks. And my eyes were opened and I said, holy crap, what is this? And uh, the whole field kind of opened up to me and I said, man, I, I want to do this. I don't want to be working with the injured athlete. This sounds pretty neat to be able to impact people in this way. Of course, it predates cell phone and predates internet, predates Barnes and Noble and books. And, and so you actually had to go and connect with people. And when you tell that story to the intern or the GA today, they look at me like I was born uh, when wagon wheels were, were rolling around. But it really wasn't that long ago. We, we didn't have access. And the people that did have access, they were very protective. You know this, Jay, very protective of what you did. 
because access to that information was very limited. It's unlike today where people share more openly because information is everywhere. So back then, if you were one of the guys with information, you're very protected. So it was really hard um, to connect, but I was blessed to have some people that were willing to share with me. And Vern was one of them, got me really into it. Um, and I pursued that. And so in the meanwhile, I thought I was going to be in the NBA. And I thought, here's my path. I'm going to be a strength coach in the NBA. And I started down that path. Um, and a few things in life kind of changed for me. Um, and people that know my story know that my life story, um, I don't hide it from people. I, I was not, um, I was not a good person for a long period of time. I pursued to be a great coach and I uh, did not pursue being a great person. And so I made some choices that were not not really good in life. And it led to some changes in in what I was doing at the time. I was running a rehab center and, and pursuing strength and conditioning. And, and this little small school, private school opened up. And I thought, well, I'll take a job there for a year or so until, until I get everything organized and I'll be back in the NBA and everything will be cooking. Um, I, year and a half later, an NBA job did open up. Um, and I fell in love with the high school that I was at. And it's the high school that I spent the last 20 plus years at. And I just thought that's where I need to be. It's what fit me. It's what fit my mold. It's what fit. I talk a lot about this Japanese term, ikigai, why you get up in the morning every day. And it was my ikigai. It hit my spot right there. And for 20 years, I was blessed to serve those students and the coaches and the community of Greater Atlanta Christian School in Northeast Georgia, uh, Northeast Atlanta high school, private high school. And when I got there, it was a really tiny school, grew to be one of the largest private high schools uh, around, a uh, really successful program I was blessed to be part of. And uh, and then just recently, they came to me um, and I've been struggling with that family thing. I talked about my past and one of the things about my background was I didn't pursue being the best person I could be. And for over the past three years, I've really struggled with that, that I wanted to be a better friend, father, husband, and son uh, that I believe I was born to be that I just wasn't. And a lot of people can manage all those things. Coach, you, you manage it well. People can manage it really well. What I found is I was struggling managing being the best coach and being the best person that I could be. And it wasn't the profession. It was my management of that profession. And really what grew important to me was the father, friend, spouse, son, and I, and I needed to find a way to do that. And I'll tell you this story because this is a unique story and I know I'm spending a lot of time, but uh, in this room, I have a lot of items around me, as you see, from uh, uh, 30 years in the profession. We all kind of have that. And I've been blessed. I, I always say I'm like the Forrest Gump of strength coaches and trainers. I've been powerbombed in a WCW ring. I have, have been around a lot of really neat places. Work with Michael Jordan for a day when he was with the Bulls on his comeback. I mean, there's just a lot of really neat items that I've been around. But in the middle of the room, um, I have a Lowe's blue vest. And that Lowe's blue vest hangs a framed in my room. And most people are like, what the heck is that thing? And uh, I'll tell you what happened. So about uh, the last week of March, um, I came home very uh, disappointed in myself that I couldn't manage all these things and had an uh, honest conversation with myself, which sounds funny, but I did and realized that, uh, all right, if, if all those things matter and I can't manage it, then quit, quit. And uh, I took my first day. I've had professional days to go speak at events, but I've never taken a sick day. I've never taken a personal day, but I went and take, took a personal day and I went down and um, I got a job at Lowe's. And I was going to start there June 1st. And um, uh, I have a really 
supportive family that thought I was crazy, but uh, built this profession where I'm flying to Australia to speak, and I was going to give that up for my family. Um, uh, very next morning, I'm at a, a PE chair. I was the PE chair at the high school, and I was at a meeting, and anyone who knows me knows I don't like meetings, so I was kind of grumbly, and I'm sitting there in that meeting, and first thing at 8.01, I get a text from Rich Gray. Rich Gray is also the executive director of the National High School Strength Coaches Association, which I helped found. And uh, he said, what are you doing? I said, in a meeting, he said, step out, important to talk to you. And I thought it was something with the association. So I stepped out. What's up? And he said, uh, I have this job offer. I need you to shut up and listen to me. And he walked me through it. And I shut up and listened because I thought, what in the world is going on? And um, what at the end, he said, are, are you um, – how come you're so quiet? And I said, well, you told me to shut up, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, um, uh, did you talk to my wife? I mean, like, how do you know uh, this process? So uh, he and I were both blown away at the timing of it. I believe it was, um, you know, I'm a spiritual guy. I'm not a religious guy, but I do believe I made a decision for the right reason um, at the right time for the right reason. And I do believe I was blessed with this opportunity to come join play. And um, basically now – um, I get to kind of travel around and make authentic relationships with coaches and visit and spend time doing some of the things that I have talked about wanting to do for the longest time. And now I'm actually doing it. I'm spending time and uh, visiting and seeing and learning and growing. I'm probably a better coach today than I've ever been because I've seen a lot of things, uh, reflected a lot of things. I have a lot of time to spend at home uh, with family, but I'm a lot of time on the road with coaches. So I'm getting best of both worlds. Um, and I can't be any happier about the decision I've made. Play has been an unbelievable experience with an unbelievable company um, that I believe does as much for the profession as they ask from it. And I can't say that about many places. And uh, I'm just proud to be part of it. So that's kind of where, where I've been at. I love it. I yeah. absolutely love it, dude. And it is a unique situation, and it's one that allows – like you just were talking about some self-talk and some self-reflection. So now when Gary can look back on 20 years of coaching and has had almost eight months now getting the 15,000 foot view and then skydiving right in on somebody's program and spending the time with them, you, you said it. It's probably made you a better coach. How so? What are you taking from this? What are the rest of us missing when we're yeah. not able to do this? <laughs> it's, it's such an incredible question because, you know, if I if someone had asked me that or told me that, um, you know, and Ron McKeefrey's a great friend. So Ron, Ron is part of play and, and he's visited me many times and told me that like, hey, man, this has been a great opportunity to see things. And I almost took that as an insult. You know, I almost took that as, hey, I'm doing it day to day. Uh, you know, don't tell me what I'm missing because I'm in the midst of it. Um, but what we miss is while you're in the midst of doing things, you're doing things, you miss all, you know, you can't see the forest through the trees when you're in the middle of it. Right. You know, so, um, sometimes having that, that, that view, that backup view, having the ability to pause, I never had the ability to pause and look because I had the next thing coming. And so, it would, you know, if one season ended, the other one started and not, you know, in the, especially at the high school level, um, you know, I saw 510 kids a day. And so it was just rolling, rolling, rolling with nonstop. So looking back on that, it's not an insult or anything. It's just purely looking at things that I think would have mattered for me. Um, and, and what it is, is I think the number one thing is 
is what we are doing or what we are focusing on important to the athlete? Or is it just important to us because we love the weight room? Is it important to us because we fell in love with strength? Is it important to us because we fell in love with speed? Is it important to us because we fell in love with power? Or is it really important and does it really matter on the field? So I started looking at some things and, and with, with some time on my hands, I actually started looking at what was the average, just to give you an example, to like make this really tangible. What's the average height a rebound got in, and we had a very elite high school program, Malcolm Brogdon, NBA Rookie of the Year, Isaiah Wilkins, cover of Sports Illustrated, both played at the University of Virginia. We had a very elite basketball program. And, and we had average players and we played would play average teams. So over a two-year period of time, Two years, I would look at every game film, and knowing that the that the height of the basket was ten feet, I could estimate where the rebound was grabbed. And we know, you know, Jay, basketball sometimes the rebound is hits the ground, <laughs> right? Sometimes the guy never leaves the ground when he grabs it. Um, what was the average height that a rebound was grabbed in two years, eighty plus games? What was the average height of a rebound? What what would you estimate it at? Because when I ask this, most high school coaches will say 10, 10, 2, 10 foot, 9, 8. There'll, there'll be someone around that. No, I guess it's probably less than that. Like, it's going to be like somewhere between 8 and a half and 9 feet. Yeah, it's, a, it's just under 8 and a half feet. And, about, it's about, and, and again, I have to estimate because I could have probably done a lot better job, but I didn't want to get very graphic. I don't want to spend about five years trying to figure out the height. I just estimated based on the basketball width, right? So you can kind of estimate. And sometimes if the angle of the camera wasn't good, I would throw that one out, right? But generally speaking, it, it was, if you say about eight and a half feet, you're probably right at the high school level. All right. So if everyone on my team can touch the rim, they can get to 10 feet. Do I need to increase their vertical anymore? Probably not. Probably not, but what do we do? We fell in love with the vertical because somehow that's important to us because A, it's going to get them a scholarship or it's going to get them whatever. But maybe, and just maybe, I'd have changed the way I, I, I trained to maybe get them off the freaking ground faster. Because if they all have the ability, like, here's the deal. If you and I both can get to that rebound, it's the one that gets to it first, which number one... Basketball skill work and your ability to position yourself, you better freaking spend a lot of time there. Because my best athletes in the weight room spent too much freaking time probably in the weight room. It should probably develop a little bit more skill work. So that's the number one thing that's going to affect them if they can box out and use body control. So maybe they ought to spend a little bit of time doing that instead of freaking working on their vertical. And then secondly, maybe I ought to work on my power development of getting them off the ground. And if you're a little taller than me, I better get off the ground even faster than you, right, in order to make up for that difference. All right, so maybe my training needs to be different. Well, you know, we don't think that way because all we're thinking about is vertical. And oh, by the way, we, we did that my last year there. So I, I, I said it was a couple of years I did it. So my last year we did that. And guys' verticals still went up, but their time on the ground went way down. So it one doesn't necessarily preclude the other, but my training emphasis or focus changed to what really mattered for that athlete on the court as opposed to what mattered to that athlete in the weight room. And not always. And in fact, I will argue that quite often, what happens in the weight room doesn't necessarily transfer. Now, the character things of confidence and control and stuff like that does. But sometimes what we think of is, okay, the guy squats 500 pounds. Well, if he squats 600, he's going to be a better athlete. Really? 
Does it really make, does it? And I ask that and people go, well, it will hurt them. And I go, the time spent on that will hurt them. I agree with you. It won't hurt them. I would even, I would argue that it wouldn't. I agree. But well, but the time spent, could it be spent in a better place? Could it be spent doing something different that would have impacted that game or kept them more healthy? Could it have? And I think sometimes what we do is we fall in love with ourselves and we fall in love with the profession rather than providing and serving for the athletes that walk through the door. And so I think that might be the biggest thing that I'm looking at. And I'm thinking, hmm, I'm wondering if what I did was just self-serving or if I'm wondering what I did was serving others. But does that make sense at all? One thousand percent. Because you yeah, look I mean, at a lot of those things and it's like, yeah, like another hundred pounds in your squat. Could it help? Sure. Would it hurt them? Maybe not right away. But did it make them yeah. better? Yeah, and the time to invest. By the way, to go from five to six, has a holy crap, you're going to invest a lot of time. Now, I'm not going to say that's wasted time, but what I'm going to say is, because I, I, strength is great, and I'm not anti-strength. When people see me and I'm small, they always oh, anti. No, I'm not. Listen, listen, man. Not any more than I am pro-speed. Like big guys all complain about that. Listen, what are you, not you anti-speed? No, we're, we're all for the same thing. We want athlete improvement, but the time that you have to invest to go from five to six, you're telling me that there's not better things for that football player, basketball player, tennis. I mean, come on, man. Now, if we're talking five to six, we're probably talking football, right? But now if he's a power lifter, well, what the hell? Yeah, go. <laughs> Let's do it. But if we're talking about a football player and you want to go from five to six, I just think I can still squat him. And he's probably not going to go to six, but maybe he goes to 525. But the time that I saved and I allocated it to something else that mattered on the field, whether it's from a health point of view or a performance point of view, I think I'm gaining something. I don't think I'm losing something there. And I think, you know, what it is, is we just like the squat or we like the clean or we like the vertical. We like numbers that justify our existence because we can go to a football coach and tell him, you know, you were three and seven last year, but my football team averaged X amount of weight squatted. As if that mattered, by the way, they're three and seven. So obviously it didn't help a whole lot. Like, but what we want to do is justify our period. Like I've heard coaches say that. It's like, man, well, you know, we were one and nine last year, but I was able to show the coach that we benched this, we squatted this, and we cleaned this, and our verticals did this. And I'm like, but you were one and nine. <laughs> obviously it didn't help. Like you think more of that would have helped? It's like, well, no, we don't have very good coaching. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> we're all part of the equation here, guys. We're all part of the wins and we're all part of the losses. None of us are bigger than the other one of us. We all have to work together a little bit better. That might be part two is not only are we pursuing what's important to, to athletes rather than the coaches, but are we working together with everybody in a team approach? And I know that's big for you, but are we work, working together with the trainers and the physical therapists? And are we working together with the sport coaches and the position coaches? Are we working together with the nutrition? Are we working together? Or are we working to establish our importance within that team? I think for a long time, and I'm, I'm just preaching about what I did. I, I, I focused on me, right? Because I wanted my job. I wanted to get paid. I wanted this. I wanted that. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if that was the right thing. I think maybe we ought to focus on the little part and recognize that we play a little part. Quit thinking that we play this big part. I hate the posts where people go, oh, I work with this athlete. Congratulate him on getting this scholarship. And I'm like, well, what about the other 95 that didn't get the scholarship? Are you congratulating them for not getting the scholarship? Like, you just play a small part, man. Let that athlete promote himself. 
So, you know, I, I don't know that, that those are the some of the things that are kind of flicking through my head as I'm as I'm reflecting and spending a lot of time on even looking because I'm still programming like any good coach will. Right. So I come home, I see something cool. I'm like, where do I put that in? But everything now reflects around what would be important to that athlete. And I think to to piggyback that a lot of that comes down to the fact that like Alejo says all the time. We don't know how we're judged. But even more so, I think it's because of that, possibly, there's a fear with people as to actually ask those questions. Yeah. Without saying, well, but these are the things that I do, and they got better, and it doesn't matter that we haven't won a game in four years. I'm doing my part. Well, yes. Yeah, and, and it may be true. You may be doing your part and having one in four games. I mean, that's fine. That, I'm not saying that, you know, but but the reality is to not accept some of that. Like, we got to look at that. I, like, I had a great coach. We, we had a great meeting and traveling around. I'm, I'm able to do a lot of staff development sessions and ask questions. And um, so I had a coach, and he said, man, I'm really struggling. The, the, the women's basketball coach just won't participate in the program. Doesn't believe in it. And I said, okay, well, what's the number one reason she should? And he said, oh, injury prevention will drop injuries. And I said, okay, well, the people that are in your program, how many less injuries do they have than the people that aren't in your program? And he just stared at me. And I said, you don't have that data, do you? And he's like, no. And I'm like, so you're just assuming? You just assume that because everyone says that injury prevention is like, they'll either say it's the number one or the number two thing with strength and conditioning that, that your program does do that. Because if it, if it does and you can show that data that, hey, you know, you have a 30 percent higher risk of injury with your athletes than the ones that are in my program. I think that would be pretty valuable because I've never run into a sport coach ever. Number once that wants a weaker, softer, slower, more injured athlete. Never once. I've never once run into a sport coach that wants to lose. I've never one once run into that. Yet we have the sport uh, strength coaches, especially at the high school level, that complain about. The sport coach, because a lot of times they're running the weight room a little bit. They complain, they complain, they complain. I'm like, listen, there must be a miscommunication there because I've never once run into one of the coaches that says, no, I want to run the weight room because I want weaker athletes. Like at some point, they don't believe what you're doing. Like you got to be able to show them that and you got to be able to develop that relationship with them. Right. You know, so, um, you know, that I, that's another thing that I notice is just a lot of like, kind of complaining. You know, they'll show that dry erase board of the 20 exercises and they're all 10 by 10s. Oh, I can't believe this is happening. And I'm thinking, well, it's at your school. Like, I, I mean, okay. I mean, there's a lot of things that we all have done, but what are you doing to, 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 to mitigate that? What are you doing to educate that? What are you doing to empower that coach to be a little bit better? Or is it all about us? You know, I think, and again, I'm pointing fingers at me. I'm not pointing fingers at any individual. I just spent a lot of time doing that, uh, especially younger. And I'm thinking, I, you know, if I had a, a time machine, mystical time machine that I could go back, well, first of all, I wouldn't because everything that I am today is what I was then. But if I could, I would spend a lot of time um, connecting and a lot less worrying about trying to be the expert. You know, I had a good friend, Jeremy Boone, taught me a long time ago. He says, experts rule and coaches rock. People want to play for a coach because they rock. Experts rule with an iron fist. Do it my way because it's the right way. It's the smart way. And I think the reality is – um, I think it would spend more time worrying about being a coach and a connector. I love that. Yeah. But who are you kidding? You would take that DeLorean and you would hit 88 right away. 
<laughs> I don't know, man. That's as you get older, <clears throat> you know, we we think, you know, maybe when I get old enough and I see the end coming, I might want to reverse. But I don't know, man. I think, you know, all the even the disasters have created, you know, that's the other thing. Sometimes wisdom comes with experience, right? The difference between wisdom and knowledge is just experience. And I think for a long time I was trying to gather knowledge, but I realized uh, that it's all the stumbles that provide the wisdom. You know, you'll, everyone says you learn more when you fail, and I agree both personally and professionally. And I, I don't know if I could be the husband I am today if I wasn't a failed person before. I, I, I think that, you know, same thing with coaching. I think the mistakes I made as a coach maybe make me better today. And I think if I had skipped those steps, which I think a lot of young coaches want to know, right? They want to know how to be successful right away. I mean, I, I guarantee you get asked that all the time. Hey, what steps do I need to take to have my podcast, to run a seminar, to, to be a head D1 coach, to be asked to speak internationally? W what do I need to do? You know, I had a coach, uh, young coach asked me that and said, hey, coach, I had just got back from Australia. Spoke with you. He said, I, I want, how do I get recognized and get asked to speak? And I said, uh, well, you get divorced. You fail your child. You don't you don't become a very good uh, husband. Uh, you, you ignore your parents for a while. Um, you barely see your dad on his deathbed. And he's like, whoa, that's deep. Whoa, time out. What are you talking about? I want all the good things I need to do. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You asked me how I got here. Right. That's part of the equation, man. And those aren't good things, but they're part of the step. They're part of the path. And I think in coaching, we always want. Like, I'm going to show you the things to do that's going to make you successful. Well, I got news for you. I think it's the things I messed up on that made me successful, just as equally as the things that I was good at, I, I think. Well, yeah, because you got to take your lumps to figure out which way you're not going. That's right. That's right. So let's, let's get out on this then, you know, because you're doing a lot uh, with the high school association. Yeah. And – Obviously, you know, working for play has helped with that. So let's talk about the direction that that's going and what other, you know, little projects you might have going, yeah. working their way out here in the near future. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, everybody that knows we're kind of from the same cloth. We always have a little bit of something going on. Um, but the, uh, yeah, the National High School Strength Coach Association, a lot of letters, NHSSCA, uh, was formed in 2016. And, and what happened was um, for a long time, and you know this is a collegiate strength coach, that there are many associations out there and they're all well-meaning in the fitness and strength and conditioning profession. Um, but one, one place can't be everything to everybody. It just can't. What ends up happening is you become a tiny subset, right? A small section. And in your world, you're not a small section. So if I go to an event, and there is one speaker, you know, if I get a, a college guy up there, he's going to talk about a 25 minute warm up, And here I got 32 minutes of a class to train a kid. It's not helpful. That's not helpful to me. I need somebody that understands that, oh, by the way, at lunch, I got to go do lunchroom supervision duty. And after school, I got sidewalk duty and I got to go take class trips. And we have grandparents day that just disrupts everything. I need somebody that walks in the shoes to understand so that I can help learn what best practices are. I think too many times we have people and institutions that don't do what we do that are trying to establish best practices. 
And I find that kind of funny. I find that if you're not in the profession or have been in the profession, how in the world can you establish a connectivity and best practices within that? And, I, and, I, and so in 2016, we decided, um, uh, Fred Eves, Kevin Vanderbush, and Rich Gray, we all got together and we said, uh, I think there's a better path. There's a better path to connectivity here. Um, there are too many um, high schools out there that have strength and conditioning coaches that want to be great, that don't know how to connect. No one wants to be the dumbest guy in the room, um, but they want, they, want, they want to grow, but they don't know how to grow. And so we created the association. It has grown in leaps and bounds um, since, uh, since we grew it. Um, absolutely organically. We have paid zero dime for any marketing at all. Um, and uh, we have had astronomical growth in membership and in events. We are uh, going to hold our third annual national conference this year um, in July. We have a conference cruise that we do. So we actually have a cruise with 10 hours, five national coaches of the year. Donnie Mabe is coming on the cruise as well to be our keynote speaker out of the University of Texas. Um, and uh, we did that because we were looking for an event that connects family and still has a conference because you and I both know if we go to a conference, it's eight to 10 hours at the conference. Even if our loved one comes with us, they're pushed off to the side. So what we did is on a four day event, we have three hours, two hours, two hours, three hours each of the day. There's 10 total hours. Um, so you get your 10 hours of unbelievable professional content, but the rest of the time you're on a cruise. So from eight to 10 in the morning, I may be at a session. My wife, she's still getting ready or having breakfast by 10, 10 rolls around. We can hang out the rest of the day. So it's a great way to connect. It's a great way to include family, and that's important to us. Um, so we have a unique events like that. We have state events, and we have regional events. So that has grown by leaps and bounds. We have a website, nhssca.us. We have an incredibly interactive um, Facebook page uh, that's open to anyone. We have a lot of uh, collegiate, especially small college uh, and NAIA schools because there's probably a lot more similarity between the high high school and the small college than there are the small college and the D1 programs because there's just some some differences there. So um, we actually have a, a, a large group that does that and a lot of private uh, places as well. So we're looking at, at continuing to grow that, to offer opportunities to connect and learn um, and, and grow that. So uh, we have webinars coming out. I do a Facebook Q&A on my travels now with play uh, once a week um, because I had a lot of coaches say, man, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and you're sitting there. And I thought, fly on the wall. All right, well, let's do Facebook Live Q&A. So they can now ask, I'm, I'm visiting a coach, they can ask that weekly. Uh, so that's a, a pretty unique thing that we've been able to do. So um, that's growing. I know in, in, in December, a lot of people know I'm, I'm releasing my first book. <laughs> it took me about eight years to complete. One, coaching uh, took up a lot of time. And then two, being the kind of wacko that I am, I would complete a chapter and I'd start moving into the next chapter and then I'd learn something new and go, well, I, I need to go back and fix that first chapter <laughs> and I'd rewrite it. And then, you know, a couple months down the line, I'd see something that you're doing and I'd go, oh crap, I gotta go back and fix that first chapter again. So I kept rewriting all the time. And, uh, at some point I'm like, then I quit rewriting. I need to just leave it alone and I'll go back and fix it later. Uh, so that's coming out. I have an online mentorship that I'm going to kick out. Um, and uh, I've, I've done that in a beta, beta site way. And that, that seems to be going really well. I think content, uh, Jay, as you know, this is a dime or dozen in this day and age. I mean, we can Google and get content in a minute, but the ability to connect with individuals is minimal, right? And so part of what my, um, 
my uh, online mentorship is you get uh, it's limited to about 60 people. 15 a night are going to have a one hour video conference like what you and I are doing right now where they can ask whatever question they want. And so they get the connection, hopefully, with good quality content and feel like there's some value there. I think that might be what's missing in our professional development right now is connection. It's not content. Good grief. We have amazing content out there by amazing individuals, but we have minimal connection, right? So things like this are awesome for me. I love it. I love being able to connect with you, right? So that, that to me, that's the best part of it. The education part uh, is fantastic too, but the, the best part is the connection. I love it, man. I love it. And I love the, the mentorship program. That's fantastic. So then where are they going to find more about this stuff? Where are they going to see on social? Where are they going to be able to? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to post it out. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm careful with it. I, I want to make sure it's the right thing before I do it, but I'll have a website, uh, you know, obviously stay connected. The big thing is, is the Facebook the NHS SCA. I'll, I'll post a lot on there. I, you can go onto my, my Facebook and my Instagram pages as well. I'm pretty active coach Sco or, or Gary Schofield. And you, and you can see that I, I stay pretty active on that. I'll, I'll make, I'll make a big announcement at, at the point when it comes, especially with the mentorship thing, because it's going to be a physical placement along with the online component. So you'll get a physical placement at places that I have specifically connected with that do things differently than I do. Cause I want them to hear them. I want them to learn something from me and then go experience something completely different. And then that should stimulate a ton of questions like, Holy crap, which is the right way, which I'm going to answer. I don't know. You tell me. And so we're going to have these great discussion points. I think hopefully to let people understand that there's no one right way. Cause Jay, you know this, and I know this, that if there was one way, you and I wouldn't be doing this. There'd be no such thing as professional development. There would just be development. Like you would learn the way and we would go do the way. There is no way. And so what we need to learn is all the ways so we can select what's right at the right time for the right people, right? And so um, that'll be part of it too. So uh, yeah, there'll be some announcements coming out. A lot of them are going to be kicked out during the holidays. Awesome, man. Well, Gary, I can't thank you enough for all you're doing, brother. And I can't thank, thank you, you enough for taking the time with us today, man. This is fantastic. My pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. All right, man. We'll appreciate you, brother. We'll be in touch real thank soon. You. Awesome, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. And a huge thank you to Gary Schofield for spending the time with us today. Guys, just open, honored, candid sharing. A man sitting there and, and critiquing his himself, seeing things that he saw, that he made mistakes coming up through the ranks, and, and understanding how we all can be better by sharing that information. I can't thank Coach Sko enough for spending the time and being so open, honored, and candid with us today. And I can't thank him enough for everything that he's doing to help us be better as coaches. You know, Gary, Gary is a super guy who's really doing everything possible to push the profession forward. So, Coach, keep up the great work, man. It, it's truly appreciated. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Again, guys, we're just trying to get the best information out there to all the fantastic coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.